Hi, everyone. Dan Cassidy here. Welcome back to the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. Today, we are continuing with our Talking Markets podcast series. We will spend some time on the macro landscape, monetary policy, including some expectations for the year ahead, as well as spend some time on allocation views. I am joined today here right at the table by Steve Chevron of Federated Hermes. Steve is a portfolio manager and equity strategist responsible for portfolio management and research in the global asset allocation area. He has been with the firm since 2007. Uh, Steve, it's great to be with you here in person. Thank you for dropping by here in 1285. For the first time in four years, we're in person. This is terrific. It's been a long time great in the making. Great to see you. Likewise. So uh, let's get right into it. At this point, a lot of us are thinking about what comes next in 2024, the year ahead. And what comes to mind to me is the state of the U.S. economy. So as we're heading into 2024, Steve, talk to us a bit about your expectations for the economy's trajectory. We've been hearing soft, softish landings being thrown out there, concern about a recession perhaps on the horizon. So what do you think is coming our way? Yeah. So I, I think in this year more so than, than maybe even in prior years, you have to enter the new year with a sense of humility, right? I mean, Wall Street has struggled and we've certainly not been immune to any of this. You know, you've struggled in understanding inflation a couple of years ago. You, under, you struggled in understanding the extent of rate hikes. You know, last year, you've struggled in understanding the path of the economy this year. Um, you know, and, and markets will humble you if you don't enter them humbly. Um, and I think... As you enter next year, you, you have to recognize that there's there's an array of potential outcomes. Um, in in the almost twenty years that I've been doing this, which includes 0708 and, and and certainly nineteen twenty, I don't ever remember a time where our macro folks, uh, but not just within Federated Hermes, look out on the street. You know, you will not find a firm where you have two macro prognosticators that don't have a different view right now. Sure. I mean, it, it it's the data almost provides an economic Rorschach test if you want it to. You can kind of torture it to any outcome. So as we look at next year, you know, what's the preponderance of evidence that we see? And, and we're calling it a rocky landing, a kind of boring environment. So, you know, there's five things that we think that are going to occur over the next year that are going to determine how hard or how soft this landing is. The first one is large corporates need to refinance. So over 50% of corporate debt will come due between 24 and 28 um, as that comes due, it's likely to face a higher rate, at least in 24 and probably at least the early part of 25. What's that rate and what pressure does that provide on earnings? So that's question number one. Small businesses, they don't need to wait to refinance. It's happened to them. Mm -hmm. So you're talking about small mom and pops. It's variable rate bank debt by and large. That's already repriced from five and a half to 10%. How many quarters of that can they withstand? The consumer, right? Consumer had negative real income growth. They've drawn down some savings. They've increased the credit card. It's really a tale of two consumers. High-end consumers are benefiting from better interest on cash, positive wealth effect, wage gains. Lower-end consumers are suffering under higher rents and higher interest expense. So can the, can, can the high-end consumer continue to drag along consumer spending right. here? Banks have seen $877 billion of deposits, that's $877 billion they can't loan. Lending has tightened. How tight does it get? And the government, unbelievably, has to roll one-third of the federal debt in the next 12 months. They're the only participants in the market that did not extend duration. So, again, we know they're going to face a higher rate, but mm -hmm. how high and how much of a pressure? 
a soft landing in the classic sense would require all five of those things to go swimmingly. The Fed would need to get interest rates, inflation and interest rates down before any negative impact from those things. Not likely. What we think is most likely is a modest pressure from each. Not necessarily one that breaks you into a classic recession, mm -hmm. but one that puts you into a slower growth environment, kind of one and a half, two-ish percent. Inflation that gets down to about three, but gets kind of stuck in that level. And from a market perspective, and then, you know, I'll pause for breath, we think it's boring. You know, after years of excitement, you know, and boring means kind of more of the same from what we've seen this year economically, mm -hmm. but with single-digit equity returns, not, not much more than that. With coupon clipping on bonds, with kind of, you know, 4 to 5% yields on cash. Could it break into a classic recession? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. it, it can, and that risk is out there. That's just not in our base case right now. So it's interesting if we were having this conversation a year ago, expectations for a recession, they were pretty high and yeah. that never really materialized. Now, as we head into next year, we know how Fed driven the market has been. What are your expectations for monetary policy? And does there come a point in 24 where we start to see rate cuts? Well, this is a critical question, right? Again, starting with history, history tells you to cheer the pause and fear the cut. And it's interesting because the market is like clamoring for cuts. But mm -hmm. historically, once the Fed pauses, uh, it, it's, a, it's a magical land of rainbows, unicorns, fairies, yeah. and all things nice, right? The average return on the S&P between the last hike and the first cut is 14%. Mm -hmm. You generally start that period with a rally that averages about 20%. And so there's a reason for that, right? Because we, we know most hike cycles do lead to recessions. Mm -hmm. Yet, interestingly enough... Each of the last five times the Fed paused, the S&P hit a new all-time high. Why is that? You know, like, so what you see happen is when the Fed starts hiking, the market sells off because they know hike cycles lead to recessions. Mm -hmm. We live in a world where you can buy a box of Lucky Charms that just has the marshmallows. That probably tells you something about us. I would have liked that 20 years ago. No, you don't because it, it, <laughs> it, it, it makes you soft, right? And it, but it's this idea of instant gratification. And right. you get halfway through a hike cycle, nothing bad has happened, and markets rally. And in fact, during a hike cycle, you generally get a 15 to 20% pullback early, a 25% rally late, and unemployment doesn't rise when the Fed is hiking. It never has. So you get to the end of that hike cycle, you look out. The Fed's no longer hiking. The recession isn't there. Unemployment's low. You mm -hmm. price in a soft landing. Now, historically, 75% of the time, that's a mirage, but you price it in anyway. And we think that that's the phase that we're in. We do think that the Fed is in done hiking. In equity markets. In equity markets and in the Fed cycle. We think mm -hmm. the Fed has, we think they are done mm -hmm. with hikes. We think we're in this Fed pause rally. It's our expectation that soft landing or hard. Mm -hmm. We are likely to see new all-time highs on the S&P 500. That's why we have a 5,000 target. And then we'll see how things progress over the course mm -hmm. of the next year You know, as we move forward. What I would say is the market is looking right now for four rate cuts next year. We do not think that that's right. Too we, aggressive. We think it's too, in our view of a kind of boring economy next year where you're not breaking in a classic recession, we think that number is more like one, and we think it's maybe in December. Um, if it is four then we're probably wrong and you probably do have a recession. So uh, our guess is, and I think when we see the dot plots at the next meeting, I think what we're going to see is that they're going to take out one of the cuts from next year. They were signaling two cuts next year. In September, they were signaling one more hike and then two cuts in 24. The hike's obviously not going to happen. Mm -hmm. 
We think the trade-off, though, will be is they're going to take away one of the cuts to try to push back on a market that's... Leaving one. Yeah, that's gotten ahead of itself in terms of pricing in too many cuts next year. So I do want to do a bit of a lightning round on allocation views before we get there. Quickly want to ask about headwinds, risks. What's on your radar for next year? Anything that we're not thinking about? What's what's of concern? Yeah, I I think, you know, when you think about risk, you want to think upside and downside. I, I, I think on the upside... If inflation falls faster than we expect while employment stays strong, uh, that that could be a positive upside risk. I think if the 2024 election is anything other than a circus, that could be a positive uh, surprise. I think on the negative side, if, if banks continue to restrict lending and small businesses really come under a lot of pressure, they employ 46% of the U.S. labor force, and you could have downside uh, risk star growth forecasts. But that's where we'd be focused. So in terms of allocation, maybe let's begin with mm-hmm. fixed income. Our chief investment office has been very positive on the asset class mm-hmm. throughout the year heading into next year. What looks, what looks attractive within fixed income? Yeah, we, we think the theme here is that, and, and look, you know, Federated Hermes is one of the premier money market shops in the industry. It's something we're proud of. It's in our heritage. You know, is it the time to start moving out the curve is the question. And we think the answer is yes. If you're in our camp of a kind of boring, rocky landing, then you want to do that in a barbelled way. You're going to move some money from cash out to the short end of the curve. I'm talking about things like government ultra short, muni ultra short, mm-hmm. and some to the intermediate part of the curve. Core or longer, but again, higher quality. We're looking at govies at the top of that quality stack. Munis we think could be very interesting, particularly as the government is, let's say, challenged from a, from a debt perspective. They might start looking at taxes. Um, and, and if you're going to be in credit, which we're generally underweight credit, mm-hmm. certainly at the high end of the investment grade corporates, we don't think you're getting compensated enough to take the risk in lower quality credits across the curve. If you think a recession is imminent, it's the same play. Just forget mm-hmm. the short end. There, you're going to go out to that, that intermediate or longer, but again, with a preference for quality. What about on the equity side? It's similar story. We, we think, again, if it, it's the same if it's, if it's higher for longer, and mm-hmm. it's the same if it's a, if it's a recession, meaning um, you're going to look for stocks that have three things, strong balance sheets, strong cash flow generation, low external financing. If rates are going to stay higher and companies have to refinance, you don't want to be in a position where you have a low quality company that needs to refinance and has to face higher rates in order to stay alive. What you'd much rather have is maybe a company that took out a little debt to, you know, fund a share repurchase mm-hmm. and they just don't need to roll it if they don't need to. So we think you can find those characteristics primarily in a couple of places. You can find it in large cap growth, right? There's obviously companies that fit all three of those criteria. It's expensive though. You're going to pay for it. On a kind of more value perspective, we think you find it in the dividend payers. Um, the key, though, here is, and look, we offer active solutions, but I, I think this matters uh, sincerely right now. You want to be active because not all dividend payers and mm-hmm. not all large cap growth companies have low external financing or strong cash flow generally. Mm-hmm. Well, they mostly have strong cash flow. But you want to be selective in what you do there. So those are the kind of big themes. Generally speaking, our forecast is if equity markets do grind higher, which is our base case, mm-hmm. we would expect the Magnificent Seven to hold their ground, but we would expect the rally to have to continue to broaden out mm-hmm. to cyclical. A lot and of catch ups. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's hard to imagine that you're going to move another 10 or 15% higher right. if you're not getting participation from other parts sure. of the market. Outside of the U.S., any regions look attractive? Any stories that jump out to you? Yeah, I mean, 
you know, you look out, the dollar is finally starting to soften a little bit here. That's, that's traditionally very good for non-US. We're a little bit overweight developed. We're a little bit overweight EM. It, it, EM is such, it's so beaten down right here. And it's so, that the sentiment is so negative. And we, we all are, are acutely aware of the Chinese challenges. You know, EM's down 30, 35% from its highs. S&P 500 is only 5% down from its highs. So you, you start looking out and you say, okay, well, wait a second. If the Fed's not hiking, that's a positive for EM. If the dollar softens a little bit, mm-hmm. that's a positive for EM. If the U.S. does avert recession next year, that's a positive for EM. Um, 35% off its highs. It's a contrarian call, but it's, but it's one we think that, you know, warrants a good look. So a lot of portfolio considerations before we wrap up, Steve. Anything you would like to reinforce or any final thoughts, takeaways you would like to leave our audience? You know, I, I, I've been saying this a lot. I've been thinking about this. I have a, I have an older Sicilian mother. If you've seen the Golden Girls, think sure. of Sophia, but maybe a little bit meaner. <laughs> and, and and you'll laugh because you're in the room with me. But she used to say to me, you know, if you're not going to be good looking, Steve, you better be nice. Um, and 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 I think that that that's the big theme going into next year, which is this is as hard as I've seen it in this business. I've seen worse. We've all seen worse. But in terms of understanding the cross currents, is history a guide? Is the economy slowing? to a benign place or something more nefarious? Why aren't certain asset classes acting the way that we might expect them to historically? This is not necessarily, in our view, a time for boldness and and, and going out on a limb. It's a time for being humble and patient. It's a time for saying, if I haven't been able to predict every twist and turn of this year, let's go into next year, certainly with a view, but understanding that the risks on both tails might be a little bit higher, Tilt in the direction that you like, but stay close to neutral. Sure. Continue to talk to your clients. Prepare them that volatility could continue and that we don't know exactly the way this cycle is going to play out yet. And so we're going to stay in the game. We're going to stay in the game. We're going to stay invested. And we're going to do it humbly so that when things do break definitively in one direction, either the start of a new kind of bull market run or the descent into a recession, we can either protect capital or make it in large sum. So having a plan. Having a plan, but doing so with humility, which is the hardest thing for our industry, but I think it's the virtue that will be the most rewarded over the next year. Well, Steve, absolute pleasure as always. Thank, Thank you, you again for joining us here in person in 1285 and looking forward to further conversations in the year ahead. Uh, thank you, though, for sharing your insights and your guidance with us today. Appreciate it. Always a pleasure. Thank you for having me. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients, UBS Financial Services, Inc. offers investment advisory services in its capacity as an SEC-registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC-registered broker-dealer. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. It is important that you understand the ways in which we conduct business and that you carefully read the agreement and disclosures that we provide to you about the products or services we offer. For more information, please review Client Relationship Summary provided at UBS.com forward slash Relationship Summary or ask your UBS Financial Advisor for a copy. 